Welcome, everyone, to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest right now is a debut novelist who is getting loads and loads of buzz through social media and book sites. Um, Gail, this is Gail Massey's first novel called The Girl from Blind River. It received a 2018 Florida Book Award and debuted in the time-honored tradition of Book of the Month Club. I didn't even know that was still available. We're going to have to talk about that. And essays have appeared in the Tampa Bay Times. Love them. Craig Pittman's paper um, in Sable, Seven Hills Press, and other places. Um, she's received fellowships at the Suwannee Writers Conference and Eckerd College Writers in Paradise and was nominated for a Pushcart Prize for a piece of flash that she did. I'm also very happy to say that Gail Massey is a Florida native, as am I. I'm thrilled to welcome to the studio for the first time Gail Massey. Welcome, Gail. How are you tonight? I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's very exciting. I've never done a radio show before, so this is my first time. Oh, good. We're, we're, we're popping your radio cherry. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> good for That's you. Right. I'm so, uh, I'm honored to be the one that does it. You know, <laughs> um, I, I read your book. It is gritty. It is horrifying. It's, it's craziness and it's brilliant. And I, I must not be the only one who thinks so because all your editorial Fantastic. I mean, everybody's praising this book for your first um, standalone full-length novel. Um, you know, Kirkus calls it poetic and propulsive. Um, I, I, the Tampa Bay Times, and they're pretty hard on books, by the way, so it's crisply paced and stacked with surprises. Michael Carita calls it a dazzling debut. Uh, congratulations on all the accolades. Well, thank you. I've been really fortunate to make um, acquaintances with some pretty amazing authors that that came to my aid when I needed some some blurbs for the book. And I was really hoping someone would say dazzling debut. So kudos to Michael Carita for stepping up there. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) wants to hear that. They do indeed. Now, besides the editorial praise that you've gotten from other from professional reviewers, your book is going crazy for readers. I mean, you've got almost five stars across the board. People are loving this book. As a debut novelist, um, even though you're not a first-time writer, it must be gratifying to know that your first full standalone book is so well-loved by readers. It is. I. This is a book I put my heart and soul into, and um, Jamie Elders, the protagonist, means a mm-hmm. lot to me. I feel like I'm her guardian, uh, ushering her into the world. So it it uh, feels wonderful that people are are receiving her and the story so well. The story is placed in in New York, and um, I feel like this book could easily have been placed in Central Florida, like north of Gainesville, maybe. And um, it's as easily a Southern Gothic book as it is a bit of of Northern Noir, in my humble opinion. 
Why did you choose New York? I that. Well, why did you, I chose? Yeah. I chose New York because um, I felt like I needed to stay true to the images that were coming to me when I first ah. started writing those pages, and they were images of ice and snow and sleet, and um, a young woman uh, at the uh, in in the exposure of, of elements and and constantly seeking shelter from from the elements. She doesn't really have a, a safe place to be. So she's moving from one place to another, and that's why it's ended up in New York. It's interesting. Um, I want before we go into the book, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about reading and writing. Have you always been a reader? Somewhat. I wasn't a voracious reader as a child, but I remember um, some books that really stood out for me um, that indicated to me that there was a lot of power in storytelling and words. Um, but I didn't read a lot as a child. I was, a, I was outdoors all the time. I was in trees yep. um, playing with uh, lizards and, you know, the watching birds and crickets down here in the Florida uh, yep. sun coast. Yeah. So I was mostly an outdoor kid, but I started reading later in my 20s. I started with Agatha Christie, of course. Uh, everybody starts with Agatha Christie. She's the one that turned me on to mysteries, as a matter of fact. And uh, yep. little did I know, and I don't know if you felt the same way, that I didn't realize that you could read Agatha Christie and many other books of that ilk uh, not in order. So... I think Agatha Christie wrote 110 books and I read all of them in order. And sequentially, uh, I, I read one after the other until I went through her entire book list. So that's a lot of that's a lot of books. Wow. But you recall, if you recall, her books were not that big. The books were, you know, a couple hundred pages maybe. And so hmm. I could consume that after work and or after school and um, go through them real quick. And so I, I'm, I'm so glad that she's, she's uh, influenced you also, because I think it's a fine way to start reading. You said that you recall a few books from your childhood that stayed with you. Which were those? <laughs> um, let's see. It's P.D. Eastman's Are You My Mother? That, that was the first book I ever read that uh, nobody made me read, <laughs> right? Um, really interesting. Yeah, it's uh, a book about a, a duck, I think, uh, going around trying to find its mother because it hatched while its mother was away. And so it's a, a little journey. This uh, little duck is trying, is going on a journey, and he or she is trying to find out who they are. It's a beautiful book. How fun. I don't recall reading books like that, but I do recall I had to read a lot because we were in parochial school and you had to read. And I enjoyed it. I just don't recall what I read until I was a teenager and, and older. Um, <clears throat> when did you decide you liked writing? Well, <coughs> I, I wrote, uh, sure. I wrote some uh, poetry when I was a teenager. So oh, angsty I guess poetry, I, right? Angsty oh, just, poetry. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, yeah me too. Miserable poetry. <laughs> I know. I think we all did. Hormonal poetry. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. All that, but, you know, bonfires, that's what bonfires in your 20s are for. And so all yes. of that went up in flames. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a good memory that is. Funny, but good. Yeah. And then I, I kept uh, journals all through my 20s. And, and really? those, too, went into a bonfire. Yes, those do not exist anymore. Um, you know, just journals sometimes are where you're just working out things. So, but I wrote I, you know, looking back on it, I, I guess I sort of realized uh, the, the power of writing as a, as a way of expressing and finding your own truth. It's interesting. Right? Um, I, yeah, I've never been a journaler, and I didn't know anyone who journaled or even people who wrote in a diary. If I had one, I never wrote in it. And maybe that's because I had to write so much for school. But, um, uh-huh. yeah, you know, I, I, I actually have like a callus from, from, from writing when I was in parochial school, you know, we had to write with a <laughs> fountain pen and, and, and everything was handwritten out really nice and, you know, the cursive and all that. So I, I don't recall wow. that, but, but, um, but so did journaling lead you to want to storytell because you've done, you've submitted shorter works to various places when did you decide to try your hand and and submit your work for publication oh that wasn't until much later um i was around 49 or 50 when i started seriously trying to figure out how to write fiction i had written some fiction but it was you know bad it was really bad So I started studying the craft about at the age, somewhere around 50. And then I started uh, submitting stories a couple of years after that. And the flash fiction piece that I submitted to the Tallahassee Writers Association won first place. And that was sort of a, a big indicator to me, big encouragement, you know, to keep trying. What had you gone to school for and was your profession before you decided writing was your thing? (laughs) Um, I worked for engineers for a long time. Wow. um, Almost almost two decades. And then I went back to school and studied psychology. And then I continued school and I got a master's degree in in, uh, community counseling. And I kicked around with that for a little while, but I realized it wasn't my thing. So after that, I had just a a variety of various weird jobs. Uh, For one year, I ran a a rock climbing school, a wall climbing school. Oh, my gosh. I've done a lot of, yeah, I've done some strange things. I've also, you know, bartended and like every other writer, I suppose, bartended and served cocktails. But I think um, all those, you know, seemingly unrelated jobs <laughs> and, and places that you landed, uh, uh, don't you think that that gives you a richer experience uh, when you're writing about the human experience? It gives you more insight? Because it seems to me if you just stay in one place all the time and you don't get to see people in their various, you know, 
personas, how can you authentically write character? Right. I, yeah, I'm, all of my years have informed my writing. You know, you, you just remember snippets of interactions with people that stay yes. with you. They, they just bury themselves in your brain. When you're writing, they come up and pieces of dialogue or, or things that some that a character does that, that you, you couldn't really foresee happening and it just jumps out at you. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. When I want to talk about The Girl from Blind River. Um, this is your debut full-length novel. Um, will you give listeners uh, kind of a synopsis? You have the elevator pitch for as many floors as you want. <laughs> um, let's see. I call The Girl from Blind River a coming-of-age <clears throat> crime story that centers around family dysfunction, small-town corruption, and gambling. So that's my elevator pitch. Your main character is Jamie Elders, and when we were speaking you, before, you said you're very close to that character. Why is that? Well, uh, I think authors draw a lot of uh, – some authors draw emotional content from their from their lives, and mm-hmm. Jamie Jamie is sort of the the nineteen year old that I wish I had been. She she really understands a lot about life. She she's naive in in some places, but uh, you know her arc the arc of her story is about confronting naivety and and um, standing up for you know yourself. So I love her, right? And uh, she's she's like inside my heart. So I, I don't know. I mean, I could just gush about Jamie Elders, but I, I think she's a great character. I mean, I hope she, I hope she makes her way into the world um, as big and bold as she possibly can. She resonates, though. I will tell you that for a 19-year-old um, young woman, she resonates with the reader. I, I can say that for sure. Um, when you sat down to write, did you have a plot in mind or did you have a character in mind? Which came first? I know it's kind of the chicken or the egg, but but generally an author will be able to tell me. Yeah, Jamie Elders was the character. She came first. And, and I had been... Um, learning how to play poker just just recently when I started writing Jamie um, and I thought well poker would be like a, a really fun um, story modality to to get Jamie you know through an entire book but Jamie was really the uh, the first to arrive in my in my head and I, I tried to um, write the book but I ended up cutting about a hundred pages and and starting over from page 100 um and then i and then i started focusing on plot after that after i really understood jamie then the plot came do you sense? have a yes it does actually um do you have a vision of where you want your character to go or is it coming to you organically as you're writing um I think it's coming to me organically as, as I'm writing, except um, occasionally you have to step out of that 
and and really under you know try and figure out how do I how do I pit this character against this one, and so mm-hmm. what device am I going to use to to bring them together so that they can be in the same room and and you know do battle to get what they want from each other. So you have to step away from being the writer and go back into being the story weaver and then kind of put them back, back together again. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's sort of the process. I went back and forth with that process. You know, at, at, as I was writing the last, uh, say, 150 pages, I was going back and forth between um, understanding the character, being with the character, and developing the plot. How many times did you rewrite? <laughs> I'm always so curious. Many times. I, I have some people say I never rewrite if this is it. Uh, when I, I edit as I go along and I think how amazing is that? Or how either either how crazy, how confident, or how overconfident. You know, I, I mean it's gotta be one of those three, Gail. <laughs> yeah. It amazes me when when I see somebody's work that that has written a book that way. I I don't for me writing is a really really messy process and I really can't tell you how many times I rewrote the novel itself or or dra- how many drafts, but mm-hmm. I can tell you that I wrote the ending 6 times because I just wow. couldn't get it right. Yeah. How did you so know that, it wasn't right? You you said you couldn't get it right, but how did you know? Well, sometimes if I if I sense a bit of sentimentality coming coming through or uh, too much uh, coincidence, um, and then I did get a, a good uh, reader pointed out to me that I had used a, a coincidence at one point and I needed to rethink that. So I actually did get some help too from from other writers, a couple of other writers um, first. Do can I mention their names? Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. Give them shout outs. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lori Roy uh read the the one Fabulous. of the very yeah, close to the end drafts and and gave me a, a two really important tips and that was really greatly helpful and then um Sterling Watson who also has written about eight or nine books, he he read it and gave me some some good feedback too. So you know, that community has uh, really stepped up and helped me. It is amazing to me, the writer's community, even though on paper or in brick and mortar or online, authors are competing, not authors, books are competing against other writers' books. But the fact of the matter is the writing community is a very collegial, very nurturing uh, group of human beings, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I would say that. I think uh, I think once you you get to a certain level, you know where you've been published a, a little bit, or maybe you have a mm-hmm. novel. Uh, you understand the difficulty of existing in this industry, and I think that that creates a bond between writers because we all know what it takes uh, to get to this point, and we can look back and see people who are struggling to, you know, to finish a novel. And yes. our hearts go out to them. So, yeah, I think people really begin to care for each other. Do you like the writing process itself? Is it enjoyable for you or is it stressful? I mean, is it 
are you looking forward to writing a book, another book? I, I would say it's, um, it's kind of stressful for me. Um, I, I struggle with a little bit of dyslexia that um, makes, makes it very difficult for me sometimes. Um, sometimes it's worse than others. But there are those magical moments where things happen and come together and dialogue appears that you, you just couldn't, you couldn't have, you know, planned it. It's just some beautiful thing that one of the characters says. And, and those are beautiful moments that, that sort of nurture you and keep you coming back. That's how Very it is good. for me. That's nice. Yeah. Um, are you relieved when you finished a book? Or are you, do you wish you, do you wish you could still like, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I hope that, that Jamie Elders, you know, grows up to be this powerful, strong, empowered woman. Are you sorry to close the chapter on your character at the end of a book? Yeah, I was deeply sorry to let go of uh, Blind River. Um, it was really a process because it was a difficult process, I should say. I, it's a place where I existed for five years. Um, wow. It was my safe place. I built the place for me to be in. And every day when I went to work, I was in Blind River. So it was, it was uh, a surprise to me how difficult it was to then let it go. Interesting. Yeah. You had a lot mm. of time invested in it. What is your work process like, uh, your writing process? Are you... You know, if you're going to a day job, you have to allot time to be able to write. Um, are you very dedicated about spending X amount of time or X amount of words every single day? Or is it a matter of your schedule allowing you to have time? Um, I really get, I'm lucky I get to command my own schedule, um, sort of, you know, to a, to a certain degree. Um, right. I try not to uh, impose too much discipline on it because for me, a lot of the work is daydreaming and yes. um, I don't, I don't like the whole idea of word count and, but, but it, you know, it does help when you look down and you've, you've hit 500 words or, or 700 words that, you know, you gives you a little bit of a carrot to uh, say, good job. And let's do this right. again tomorrow. Yeah. But I try and be, you, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You finish what you're saying. Oh, I just trying to try to be relaxed with the process because um, some of it is just so stressful. And I've had, I've had a lot of uh, appearances um, so that, that has taken up some of my writing time too. writing, uh, you know, presentations and practicing that and making sure that, you know, that I don't get to a site and, and, you know, I fumble around, I try and, I try and give the best presentation I can, but mm -hmm. uh, all of that's winding down. So now I'm, I'm getting back into the work. Um, you mentioned, um, that part of your process is daydreaming. And I'm so happy that you said that. Because um, David Morrell, who is the co-founder of International Thriller Writers, as you know, and the creator of the Rambo series, as well as numerous other fabulous books, talks about mm. daydreaming as being an integral part 
of an adult's life, never mind a writer's life. And he says, it's really a shame that adults don't spend more time daydreaming. You discover your true self that way. Um, I'd love to daydream and um, <laughs> just kind of, you know, allow my mind to wander wherever it's going. Is that what you do to get yourself in the mood for writing or to gather whatever writer process you need to in your mind? Yes. I, I had a lot of practice daydreaming as a kid. You know, I, that was my, my biggest uh, hobby, I guess. I would be in class, but I would be, I would stare out the window at the clouds and I would just daydream because that's, that's just where I restore myself. I'm an introvert. So that, that really is important to me. And I think it's, I think it's crucial, especially these days, to have unstructured time where you're not trying to accomplish something, you're not trying to be productive. I guess that's why I, I sort of rail against word count because I, you know, I feel like it, it's more of a fluid process than that for me. Right. Well, it, you're, if you have a publisher, the publisher's giving you a deadline, that should be all that you need. Is, is rather than so structured like you're saying a word count or you know x amount of pages or three hours a day mm -hmm. or whatever it is you because you can't be you can't force the creativity you can't force the flow can you well I can't I think other people have different wired brains than I do and and some and some people are just you know writing a book a year so they they are obviously wired differently than me <laughs> and some are writing three books a year or four books a year. So, yes, definitely. But it's the quality of the work that matters. Um, I, I, I don't know if you've been told that this book feels a lot to me like Winter's Bone. Did you ever read that book? Uh, it's a big influence. I, I'm a big yeah. Daniel Woodrell fan. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, yeah. Other people have said that, too. I think it's also a comp on, uh, on some of the pages out there. Oh, that's it a, is. That's it, a big compliment. It's a. It reminds me very much of it. Even though I initially told you this could be southern noir, as far as I'm concerned, I could imagine it. If I didn't look at the cover, you know, and didn't have the book, I could imagine, you know, knowing what your, where your geography is in the book, I could easily imagine it being you know, Alabama, Louisiana, Northern Florida, Georgia, something like that. It feels almost Gothic to me as well. So um, it, it's, mm. that's good though. I think that's because I like to, um, I mean, I can, you know, I read it as you wrote it. It's in cold country, which I've never lived in. So, um, uh. but I could easily imagine it in other places. And that's, I think a good thing for readers to be able to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to change up the landscape a little bit. And instead of it being bitter cold, it's humidly and devastatingly hot and hurricane ish and so on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when you I think one think of the about, reasons I didn't go ahead. No, honey, it's your story, show. Tell me one of the reasons um, you didn't. Oh, one of the reasons I didn't set it in Florida is because Florida is is such a big character in itself, and I wanted to be able to sort of make my own character and make my own town. And I thought if I if I tried to set it in Florida, I would be caught up in in such you know weirdness that that I couldn't get my <laughs> point across. 
Yeah, uh, for know. those of you listening, you have to understand <laughs> that Florida is made up of, of so many different things. I grew up in Miami, which is in South Florida, but it's not really the South. And then um, my there's then there's Central Florida, which is all Disney, Disneylandia, okay. And then there's the little bit northern northern Central Florida, which is the South, or North Florida, which is the South too. And then you've got the Panhandle, and then you've got the coast. It's to totally different areas of the state. And if you want inspiration to write crime fiction, just pick up the Tampa Bay Times or the Miami Herald and every day you will read something bizarre that is absolutely true. <laughs> Am I right, Gail? Really. You're right. Could I, could I just say, there are not yes. monkeys in Florida. There, there really are not monkeys here. <laughs> right. But a lot of northerners think that we have monkeys. I don't know why we don't. Well, we have the escape ones from Hurricane Andrew, you know. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and 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 the and the the iguanas that go into hibernation when it gets to 30 degrees that actually wake up when it heats up again. So there are all kinds <laughs> of weird things that happen here. But I can understand what you're saying. You didn't want the area to become a character and you're right. Florida absolutely does become a character in many many books. Um yeah. what's next for you, Gail? Well, this is a good question. Um, I'm playing around with a novel um, that actually is going to be set in Florida. It it uh, travels from the Tampa Bay area to Fort Lauderdale. So there's that in the works. And I'm also playing with some magical realism stories about um, the Wikiwachi River, yes. uh, which is just one of the most beautiful rivers on it the planet, indeed. I got uh, the opportunity yesterday to kayak down the Wikiwachi for about seven miles. And it was, it's just a beautiful place that I've gone to since I was a child. It speaks to me. Um, so magical realism, short stories, and another novel, that's what's up for me. It sounds fabulous. It sounds fascinating. I'm so glad that you're, you're um, not staying just to one genre or subgenre that you're trying other things that's wonderful um will you please yeah. tell listeners that they can find you on the web and in social media uh you can find me on facebook at gail massey and then i have a website uh gail massey i mean i'm always happy to talk via email if you have any questions or comments i i love email um, I'm also on Twitter now and then at Gail Massey, and I'm on Instagram at Gail Massey. So that's where I am. Very Come good. find me. Um, for those who have not read Winter's Bone, whose work would you say is a comp? Other than Winter's Bone? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a That question sort of stumps me a little bit. I I can't tell you. So if you like this, you're going to like Gail. <laughs> um, I am. I'm just stumped. That came out of the blue. Um, okay. I'll give you some names that I think. If you like. How about um, you do that? Let's see. Let me think. Um, 
If you like Jenny Milchman, you're going to like Gail Massey. Yes. There you go. Because Jenny writes a very interesting female lead characters up in the north. So if you like Jenny Milchman, you're going to like Gail Massey. All right. So maybe that maybe that'll help you out when you're whenever someone <laughs> asks you that question again. Um, uh, Gail Massey, think, uh, highly accla- highly acclaimed novelist Gail Massey. The book is called The Girl from Blind River. I think that I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Say continue. Um, you said I think um, that I was going to say if you like books about young female protagonists operating in a male-dominated sport or industry, then you'll like The Girl from Blind River. You will indeed. Um, I, I, and now it's coming to me. I have a flood of, of other books that I'm thinking about. I could compare, would we had the time, I would be doing that. Thank you so much for joining me on Authors on the Air, Gail. I hope that when you're back and talk about it with me, Absolutely. I, I've really enjoyed this. Thanks so much for having me. I really have it's, enjoyed this hour. Thank you. Hour. It's been a it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Listeners, thank you so much for being with me today. I hope you all go and get The Girl from Blind River. You will find it in bookstores and online wherever you need to go. And um thank you, Gail, and thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.